0: How's everybody doing? Good. Good. I want to welcome you. Uh, Obviously, you've already been very well welcomed by my wife, but I just want to extend welcomes, welcome to you as well, joining us here at Toronto City Church for our eleven thirty a.m. service, and we want to welcome everybody who is joining us online as well. It is so good to have you, and I'm glad you're here. You guys ready for the Word of God today? All right. Well, we got a couple things I want to jump into. We got some good ground to cover. Um, First off, I'm going to tell you a story. Today, before first service, I had something happen to me uh, that I have not had happen in 22 years of preaching. Uh, Now, I know I've caught your attention, but it was totally unspiritual. Uh, But I I let first service know about it, and I thought, you know, word's going to get around. So it's a funny story. I mean, I might as well tell you anyway. So I woke up this morning, and uh, Pastor Sharon and I flew in yesterday. Uh, I got up this morning, and uh, she'd come in a little earlier all ready to go. So I'm, I'm usually like, when I'm up in the mornings, I'm praying. I'm getting my notes ready. And sometimes I'm a little absent-minded with all my basic details. So uh, last minute, you know, I prayed, got ready. Okay, took my shower, got dressed, went to put my shirt on, realized there's a big spot on the shirt I was going to wear. So, so this puts me into a little bit of a mini panic because I, I'm, you know, still getting used to, it. we're in the summer now. So it's like, I got to look at a different part of my closet, pull another shirt out. Last shirt's not looking. And the funny thing was, she won't mind me saying this, Pastor Sharon this morning had one of those mornings where she couldn't figure out what to wear. So, so I'm still there in bed because she's up earlier than me and she's around around trying this outfit, that outfit and I'm not gonna lie, I'm judging her. I'm in bed and I'm just like, how come you can't even pick out an outfit? Like, you need to pick out your outfit. So what am I doing? I'm running around trying to figure out my outfit and the Holy Spirit's like, mm-hmm, okay. He's like, right, judge not lest you be judged, all right, so, so I'm there, so I grab my shirt, and I'm like, ah, you know, it looks a little wrinkled, but I'm like, you know, let me just get to church, we got a steamer at the church that you can clean up the shirts, because once we started doing all the online stuff, we bought a, we bought a steamer for shirts, so I get here, pull out the steamer, steamer's not working, (laughs) nobody bothered to tell me the steamer's broken, so I'm trying to think, okay, what am I gonna do? Because ever since we've gone to like HD cameras on online, everything shows. And I'm like, I, I mean, I'm not like Mr. Like Fashion everywhere, but I don't necessarily want to be online, you know, out there, you're gonna have on church milk or something, or church laughs, you know, pastored with incredibly wrinkled shirts. So I'm trying to think, and, and then top it off, Pastor Sharon sees me right before she comes to the she goes, babes, what happened to your shirt? She's like, that's not gonna work, do you have another one? I'm like, no, I don't have another shirt. So she's like, you know what you need to do? She said, take the shirt back to the dryer because we have a washer and dryer back here in the kids' area. She's like, just run it. She got Jessica, run it on 10 minutes for low, it'll knock out the wrinkles. So I'm like, okay, how hard can this be? So worship starts, I go into the back to iron the shirt. Now, I have to hide in the room because I don't have another shirt. So I'm hiding in the room, and I don't know what it is. We, we've got some incredible dryer back there. Pastor Jair, I guess, went and bought it. It's got more functions on a dryer than I've ever seen in my life. And I see this one function that says, like, wrinkle-resistant steam. Wrinkle-resistant steam. So I'm, okay, that's what I need. So I flip it to wrinkle-resistant steam. I run it. I hear worship. I'm back there praying and worshiping with no shirt on you know, in the back area. After about five minutes, I'm like, let me see how it's doing. I open the dryer. My shirt is completely soaked. I think the steamer portion, I, get, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. No, so I'm now thinking, what am I going to do? I text Pastor Sharon, I'm like, we have a major problem. Because I'm supposed to be on the stage preaching in 15 minutes, and I have no shirt. And my shirt is completely soaked. I'm like, what am I gonna do? So I'm trying to think of ideas. She's like, I'm gonna send Eman back. I'm like, what is he gonna do? How's he gonna help me? But I'm like, okay, let me think. I'm just thinking, maybe I can dry it and I can throw it in here in the dryer. Eman comes back. <laughs> he, <and> he, <laughs> yeah, Eman e- e- comes back and he's got a, he's got, he said, well, he's got one of my extra shirts. Now, if you know Eman, Eman's a little bigger than me, <laughs> so it was a triple XL hoodie. So I'm trying to picture getting on stage preaching to the church in a triple XL hoodie. I'm trying to think, maybe, I'm trying, how can I even spin this? So ultimately, thank God, I got it mostly dried. And so first service, I preached in a mostly half-wet shirt. So the worst part about it, if you were here first service, everything on the shirt dried except my pockets and my collar. (laughs) So, So I got on stage, and I'm like, you know what? I might as well just fess up and tell everybody what's been going on. Uh, You know, and and a lady came to me after service. she said, Pastor, she said, I am so glad you told that story, because the minute you walked on stage, I was like, what happened to his shirt? What's wrong with his shirt? And she's like, I would have been distracted the entire message by your shirt. So anyways, I think my shirt is dry, and and hopefully I'll be able to preach. I think I did okay in first service, but it was a rough start to my message, so... So someone said, why are you telling everybody this? Ah, it was just a funny story, and if I preach really bad, you can just blame it on my tra- traumatic shirt experience from earlier today. So a uh, couple practical things. We will get spiritual here in a second. Uh, first off, I want to give a shout out to all our students, Paul, Vic, and the team who were at Youth Convention this weekend. They had an amazing time. It was so good. We're so ex- I'm so excited about what's happening with all of our students. Uh, just really good. And Paul sent me some videos from Friday night. So had to build five, six hundred young people together at Canada Christian College. Sent me videos. They're all just worshiping at the front. And you know what I love the most? He texted me. He said, oh yeah, as soon as worship started, a whole bunch of our students just like ran right to the front. And they're right, where worshiping God. So I'm really thankful for that. Uh, let's continue to pray for our students and pray for what God's doing. They meet during this service. They're over in the, in the dome. But we've got some great things coming up this summer. Uh, youth camp. Just really believing for encounters with God. Amen. Because in the day we're in, more than ever, there needs to be encounters with God. Real relationship. Really knowing God. So, speaking on the prayer front, it was in the announcements, but I just have to give an extra push for all church prayer this Friday night. 7.30 p.m., we're believing God for 100 plus TCC members gathered here in person seeking God. So, I want to invite you to be there. Be part of the 100. Be part of the 100 plus. Let's gather together. Let's pursue God and let's go after God. And then next Sunday, we've been talking about all this month, but we have our annual legacy offering. And so what I wanted to do, yeah, we can give—we uh, can get excited about that. That's going to be awesome. Going to be really good. But I wanted to give you some practical uh kind of just pointers of what we're focusing this offering on. I sent it out via email, so most of you should have gotten it if you're on our list. If you're not on our list, you want to get on our list, let us know, because we send out almost like we don't have like physical bulletin, but we send out weekly updates of what's happening, what's coming in the church. But I wanted just to let you know what we're giving towards in a very specific way, because this is the annual offering where we sow into TCC and we sow into building where God's taking us. I'm so thankful for the ongoing giving that helps us to function, offerings like this are an opportunity to kind of, you know, focus on an area or move some things forward. And and God's been so good to us this year. I mean, I I could just tell you testimonies already. So I'm excited about what God's done, but I'm also excited. So this year for the legacy offering, we're going to be focusing on two key areas. First, we're going to be focusing $25,000 towards repainting of our facilities. So we've, uh, this building opened 10 years ago. And we've never done a a refresh of the paint. So we're going to have the entire lobby. We're going to have all the way back the kids area. I mean, maybe some of you have noticed it can be a little rough in certain areas. But we we don't, I mean, it's wear and tear in a building. We we built it to be used. And so we want to do a refresh. There's going to be an update and just even some of the color palettes and just the look of what we're going for and what we're doing. So that's focus number one. Focus number two is going to be in a similar vein, but it's going to be around a fresh branding, fresh visuals, a new website and some new volunteer computers. Now, there's a bunch of things we brought them together, but they're all interconnected. A fresh branding. Just, we really sense an opportunity right now, just as things have reopened. Uh, but you know, in the spring, we're still kind of finding ourselves. Summer's going to be summer, and really coming into the fall is when I think we're even going to see another wave of people re-engaging, connecting back more consistently into church. So we felt as an opportunity just for a fresh. Um, just kind of a fresh presentation. Especially when you're reaching millennials and Gen Z, visuals matter. How you present yourself matters. What What is brought there. So we're going to have a fresh branding, fresh look. It's going to flow into a lot of different things that we do. Uh, we also, even outside in our lobby, if you notice, you know, the walls are pretty bare. It's nice. But we want to bring some more visuals, some more things there that help speak to who we are, speak vision, speak, you know, just uh, speak uh, encouraging people what we're all about. So these are some opportunities, especially if you're visually wired, you know how impacting that can be, and we want to be real creative with it. We want to kind of be very, like, pushing forward in 2022. That also leads into a website. Now, we've got a solid, solid website as our church, but every, guys, almost every person I talk to who I meet, many of you would be in this boat who've come to Toronto City Church and say, hey, how'd you find our church? They say, oh, I googled, or I found you online, and now with what God's opened up for us with online, bringing things together, and with how important this area of ministry is, we don't want to just be okay in a solid website. We want to really get very cutting edge, particularly the focus on how do we reach and engage people. And then last but not least, just a couple comments on the computers. Some of the volunteer computers we are using for some of our team members are like 10 years old. So if you know computers, you know that's just like super ancient. So we want to make sure people are volunteering and team members have some good equipment to work with. So this is going to be our focus. That's going to be about another 25,000. And then we're believing God to go above and beyond it. Uh, A couple other notes that we just did want to mention. We've had some donations that come in the past towards the kitchen. Now, some of you might not be familiar with the kitchen. So we're going to be working on the kitchen. We want to let you know we're just doing some research now and figuring out what's the wisest way to approach that. We'll keep you updated about that. And then something else in previous uh, legacy offerings that people have given towards is our cafe. So obviously over the last couple of years we haven't been able to open the cafe, but we're really looking forward to in the fall. So if that's something that interests you, even in being involved in that area of serving and ministry, let us know because we're going to do that. And really want to just again, here, here's really the heart of all this. It's something that came out of this week. I think we're going to, I'm going to talk more about this in the coming weeks. We're going to pack it some more. But we were at, as Pastor Cher mentioned, we are in London. Um, a couple things will come up in my message. But one of the main things, we're at Holy Trinity Brompton where the Alpha Course has started. How many of you guys are familiar with the Alpha Course? So Nikki Gumble, the Alpha Course. And, and one of the things that really marked me from being there was just, again, this fresh heart for reaching people around us with the gospel, reaching our city, impacting our culture, not just looking at the negative or the downside or just, oh, how bad things are getting, but recognizing we're here to be light. And so part of what the Lord really just dropped in my heart, the natural tendency for a lot of us right now, and I feel it organizationally, I feel it pastorally, is we've just been through a really rough two years where finally things are leveling out, sort of. Let's just kind of, let's play it safe for a little while. Let's just kind of play it safe. Let's kind of consolidate. Let's get set. And I felt like the Lord said, don't you dare do that. I felt like the Lord said, now is the time to reach out more than you have ever reached out before. Now is the time to invest even more resources and invest even more prayer and invest even more hours into reaching people with the gospel. Guys, because people, what we've gone through, everybody's gone through. And there's so many people right now who are hungry and are open and are searching. And so I want to encourage you, even as we sow into this offering, there's an element of saying, so what difference does paint make? Well, it can make a lot of difference because when somebody comes in, if we're presenting an atmosphere of excellence, if we're presenting an atmosphere of welcoming people, it makes an impact, it makes a difference. It's good stewardship of the facilities that God has given us. Even things like someone might say, well, why do we need a new website? Our website's okay, our website's decent. Yeah, but we're saying, hey, we want to put investment here and put ourselves in the best position we can to reach people. Amen? And so I want to encourage you beyond, it's not just for this offering, but just even the posture we take this summer. The posture I believe God wants us to take coming into the fall. Like we're going to be relaunching the Alpha Course in the fall. If you're interested in helping serve with that, let's because we want to be really focused in an even greater way on reaching people with the gospel. Amen? And so I really want to encourage you in that. I want to encourage you. And, and you know what we do with these offerings. Again, I say it over and over again. I'm not going to try and do fundraising techniques and try and get all this. I, I just want you to pray, to seek God, and whatever God speaks in your heart, whatever God talks to you about, then you just sow and you invest it. Amen? And so I'm just going to pray over that. And let's just agree together. If you have any questions, let me know. If you have questions, if there's things that, you know, because I always want to make sure that even as a church family, we know kind of, okay, what we're giving towards, where we're going, and I always have an open-door policy regarding questions. So, Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have to sow next week. God, we thank you for this opportunity we have just to, to keep advancing, to keep moving forward. And, Father, I pray, just even as I was sharing, God, for you lighting something even fresh in our hearts regarding not just... Not just kind of playing it safe in the season, but really reaching out, pressing forward, advancing the kingdom. Lord, I thank you for every person here. And Lord, I just pray simply that every one of us will pray, will hear what we're supposed to do, and we will obey. Lord, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. I thank you for every person that's just going to sow and every person that's going to invest, Father. And Lord, I thank you that we are, we're just, we're builders And we're part of building what you're doing in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed with me said, amen. Amen. All right, let's shift gears into the message portion today. If you have your Bible, turn with me, please, to Matthew 16, 18. I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction, catch everybody up to speed, because I know week to week, not everybody's been here previous weeks. We're doing our series this month, Legacy 2022, Deeper Impact. Everybody say, Deeper Impact. And so we've been talking about legacy. We've been talking about what God is doing in us as a church family, where he's building, where he's taking us. The first week I talked about being builders and really not just being consumers or... Uh, observers, but really God building this heart in us to build. The second week, Pastor Sharon brought an excellent word, talking about really impacting the next generation, and having a heart for the next generation, because legacy is building something that's passed from one generation to another. The third week, I took some time to talk about being an apostolic center, and just starting to explore and unpack, what does an apostolic center look like? What does that mean? What are some distinctives of it? And then last week, Pastor Kathy Shinamatero was with us, and she brought a great word on being a church who impacts your community and being a church who has the spirit of faith and looks outwards. I want to encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to hear that message because I know it's the long weekend, log in. Listen to the message. It's going to be, it's really going to bless you and encourage you. But what I wanted to focus on today is we just had such a good time a couple weeks back, my last preach, talking about being an apostolic center. And what does that look like? What does that mean? What are some distinctives of it? And there was just such a good connect point on that message. I wanted to go back there and I almost wanted to preach a part two. And so I wanted to talk to you some more today about what does it mean to be an apostolic center? What does this look like? And what does God want us to dream of or dream about? Now, it's said to start in Matthew 16, 18. We've been talking about legacy, something tangible that is built, that is passed from one generation to another. And our core text, Matthew 16, 18 says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we've talked about builders and being built, you know, like building, and then we talked about his church, and we talked about the ecclesia, and so all this is in my previous message, but we talked about being this apostolic center, and if you'll remember from three, uh, two weeks ago, there were five key distinctives I talked about being an apostolic center. Number one, we talked about an apostolic center is committed to advancing the kingdom and not just building a local church. Now, Building a local church is not bad. We want to do that, but we want to always have a heart to advance the kingdom. We don't want to be selfish and just focus on building our own thing without thinking about the kingdom, amen? So that was number one. Number two was uh, uh, Apostolic Center embraces and functions in fivefold ministry giftings. And so we took some time to talk about that, the importance from Ephesians chapter 4 of what is called the ascension gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, shepherds, and teachers. And we talked about those gifts, and in an apostolic center, they embrace all of those things. And then we talked about how all those gifts, their primary job is not just do ministry, but to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So, even though most of us are not called to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, teacher, evangelist, all of us can still be impacted by those graces and we can see those types of functions in our church. We can function apostolically, we can see the prophetic moving, we can be a church that flows in evangelism, we can be a church where there's great pastoral shepherd ministry going on, and we can be a church where there's great teaching. And we talked about flowing together. We talked about how an apostolic center is a place where every member is in ministry. Not just a few superstar ministers that everybody comes to watch, everybody comes to cheer on, but everyone has a ministry. Everyone is called to advance the kingdom of God. Somebody say, everyone. Number four, we said, we talked about not just being about send, excuse me, uh, apostolic center is about sending capacity, not just seating capacity. And we talked about being open-handed. That even as a church in a city like Toronto, international city, we need to understand there are going to be pillars who are here for many years, but there are also going to be people who come for a season to get trained and equipped, and then God takes them elsewhere in the nation, elsewhere into another nation. And our heart is not just how many people can we get in attendance on Sunday, but it's how many people are we sending out as salt and light, as sons and daughters, and sending them out to bring the kingdom of God. And so we focused on that, And then last but not least, we talked about an apostolic center talks about the call, or recognizes the call to disciple people and disciple nations. And we recognize this call to our nation and this call to our city, and that God stirs us in that. And so I, I took a little bit of time to the introduction, because I wanted to bring it up to speed, but let's dive a little bit more, And I want to talk to you about a few more distinctives of apostolic centers. So number six, everybody say number six? Apostolic centers are houses of prayer for all nations. Everybody say houses of prayer. Mark eleven seventeen 17 says this. And he was teaching them, being Jesus, and saying to them, "It is writ- Is it not written, my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. I want to focus on this call to be a house of prayer. Every church is called to be a house of prayer, but today in my focus on apostolic centers, they are particularly focused on making prayer central to everything that they do. If you find apostolic central, you are going to find systems and patterns of intercession built throughout that entire church. Prayer is not a last resort, but it is a first priority. That's a good word right there. That's what we need in our lives. Too many of us, prayer is our last resort instead of our first priority. But see, in apostolic centers, what they do is they make prayer very central to what they do, and then they recognize that prayer fuels everything that they do. In a lot of churches, what happens, and we fall into this trap, we fall into the trap of thinking that prayer is only for a few people. That prayer is for only a few called intercessors. You know, I was kind of laughing about it in the first service. You know, in many church contexts, at least when I grew up, it was the Holy Spirit grandmas. And they would all be off in the corner, interceding and praying, and you know, and they were really spiritual and it was really good, but you're also a little nervous around them. Because, you know, you didn't want them necessarily, uh, they're going to see something, they're going to pray something, they're going to call you out. You know, something's going to happen. But we fall into this trap of saying there's only a select few people are supposed to pray. But when you read the Bible, and part of what apostolic centers understand is every believer is called to pray. Come on, somebody say, every believer is called to pray. Every believer, young or old, men or women, they are called to prayer because it's central to everything. Jesus, our example, was a man of prayer. He is the one we're following. We're being Christ-like ones. And so in apostolic centers, there's an understanding. Now, does everybody get involved in prayer? Well, no, because you're always growing. You're welcoming new believers. You're seeing people maturing God. But there is a critical mass of people who are part of that apostolic center who are committed to prayer. That's why I'm casting this vision. Say, hey, even with all church prayer, let's gather. Let's have 100-plus people here seeking God. Now, I want to, and ultimately, more than 100 people coming. But that's our first faith target. But that we prioritize prayer. And not only do they prioritize prayer, but Apostolic Centers will build systems of prayer And they build systems of prayer in place so there's prayer constantly happening going forward on a regular basis. Now, it can look different in different places. Obviously, more of us have heard over the last 15 or 20 years about houses of prayer, where there's been 24-7 prayer. There's also movements of praying churches that just say, we're not going to make prayer something on the outskirts. Only a few people do, but we're going to make prayer central to everything that happens here. And guys, for us to continue to grow, this is just something that's so on my heart. And I just want to encourage every one of you. This year, we're talking about going deeper. Go deeper in prayer. Right? when, When you do it, you start. You don't become like this perfect, amazing prayer warrior right from the beginning. No, you start where you are. But every time you get involved in prayer, you grow a little deeper. Every time you take that step, you grow a little deeper. And you move a little deeper into it. But let us be people of prayer. You know, a great example of this that I think of often is the movement YWAM and what happened with YWAM. Now, I have a little bit of inside information because my my cousin, she's very involved in the leadership at YWAM in Hawaii. And if you're not familiar with YWAM, it stands for Youth with a Mission. It was started in the 70s by a gentleman named Lauren Cunningham. And it's one of the, I I, I think some people say, uh, forgive me, I don't know my stats right now. I'm pretty sure it's the largest missions organization in the entire world. And the goal is taking young people and, and, and taking them on missions and taking them to preach the gospel. So YWAM's done some incredible things. But in the early 2000s, they were really hitting a bit of a lull. There was some things that, you know, just some different things that were happening. But it, during that time, they started a new strategy, which they called Fire and Fragrance. And what they did was they said, every one of our missions bases, because they have missions bases around the world, we're going to work to establish houses of prayer in our mission bases. And every time we send teams out to the streets or out to do ministry, we are going to make sure we have people praying as well, and praying and worshiping and going before God. So in other words, we're going to have going vertical, but we're also going to be going out horizontal. And leadership within YWAM talk about how when they started to do that, things began to explode once again in the best way. Why? Because they were establishing prayer and establishing as a house of prayer. And there's often this tension goes like, well, we pray, or are we going to do, you know, well, you should pray, but no, we need to reach people, or no, we need to reach people, but we need to pray. Well, we need to do both. Come on, somebody say do both. Come on, someone tell your neighbor, do both. And so it's through developing and growing as a house of prayer. And so here at Toronto City Church, we want to keep going deeper in prayer. We want to keep leaning into what God's doing. And I want to encourage you, go deeper in prayer. Go deeper personally, but also let's go deeper together corporately. And this Friday is a great opportunity. We have prayer calls. We have like 20 prayer calls that happen throughout the week, virtually every day. We have people going before God in prayer. You can plug into that. We want to see it expand, but we need to be a house of prayer. Another great example. It just stuck out to me. It was just this one line, but we're with Holy uh, at that Holy Trinity Brompton this past week, where Alpha started, and one of their leaders said some because they talked about how important prayer was to what they're doing, and one of their leaders said this, and I, I thought she was talking about the Alpha course. And she said the Alpha course, which if you know what Alpha course is, it's a 10-week course where you have a meal for people and then you talk about different aspects of faith. And and, and literally millions of people around the world have come to faith through doing this. It's simple, it's straightforward, but God moves. But she said this, she said, Alpha is designed to fail if you don't pray. And it hit me. I thought, man, like, it's like we don't just go do this course. They're like, no, you need to pray. Because if you don't pray, it's, perfectly, it's a perfect setup for failure. Why? Because the dependence is on the Holy Spirit and God moving. Right? If, if we don't pray, what we are ultimately saying is we got this. Prayer says we need you. Prayer says you've got this. If we're prayerless, whatever our language is, we're ultimately saying we got this. We don't need your help. We can take care of this ourselves. But prayer is that dependence on God. So let's grow as a house of prayer. Everybody say house of prayer. So that's number, that's number six. Number seven, apostolic sinners embrace and function in kingdom finance. Everybody say kingdom finance. Deuteronomy 18, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to his fathers as it is to this day. Now, when you talk about being an apostolic sinner, There's this there's this empowerment that God gives. And I believe it's something God's doing especially strong in the days to come in the areas of finance. Now, it's important we we grapple with this because as soon as I even said the word wealth, some of you might got a little uncomfortable. Said, oh pastor just said wealth. Oh, the pastor's talking about money. Oh, we have an offering next week. What's going on? I mean, we, we can kind of freak out about that stuff. But in apostolic centers, there's an understanding that money is simply that God, something that God wants to entrust you with to do his work, to advance his kingdom. That's why this verse in Deuteronomy is so powerful. He gives you the power to get wealth, not so you can just show everybody how much money you have, or get rich, he gives you money, he gives you wealth, so that he can confirm his covenant, or in other words, he can advance his kingdom. And guys, in the body of Christ, and I've looked at this historically, I'm not done like, this, say, an in-depth study, but just from a broader picture of church history, you can see this big pendulum, somewhere. you know, I talk to you a lot about how we can go from one ditch to the other. And there's been seasons and places where the body of Christ has had wealth, has had money, has had influence, and, and, and sadly, often it's not been handled very well. It's not been handled well. There's been issues. There, some of us have maybe seen or experienced situations where money in a church or a Christian context wasn't handled well. So then what a lot of people tend to do, and you can actually see this historically, we go, well, I don't want this. I don't want greed. I don't want, you know, people manipulating to get money. I don't want that kind of thing. So we swing over the other side and we're just like, you know, I don't want to have to deal with money. I don't want to talk about money. Don't preach about money. We don't need money. Well, here's the problem. We do need money right? We need money to help people. We need money to to build facilities. We need money to send teams to different places. We need money. See, the balance that I believe God wants to bring us into is where we don't love money, where we're not about being rich, but we are about seeing wealth increase to advance the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody say advance the kingdom. See, we don't want to, we want to get out of this swing, where it's like the balance is, hey, God, entrust me with finances. I want to use it for your purposes. I want to use it for your kingdom. I want to use it to do what you've called me to do. Yo, I had an interesting conversation actually after a first service with one of our members, and he was quite encouraged by this message, but he was talking to me about an internal battle he was having because he was having some opportunities for wealth, but he also really had an opportunity to help people in need, and he felt kind of torn. He's like, I'm wrestling because I'm not trying to go off and make all this money. I just want to help people, but then we had this great conversation. I said, well, listen, if your heart is pure to always help people, if you make that money, just use that money to help people. And I can see the light bulbs kind of click on for him for a second. He goes, oh, but see, when you get an apostolic center, what you actually do is you're not, I'm say it this way, you're not afraid to talk about money. You're radically generous. Pastor Sharon was talking about that radical generosity. You love to give. You're not afraid of money, but you're not about trying to accumulate all these things. You're trying to use finances to help as many people as possible. You're trying to use finances to be a blessing. Uh, you know, uh, think of an example. Uh, now, what this, this Pastor Sharon, this trip we got to go on, there was a huge portion of the trip that brought pastors in from all over that was covered by a donor. And because a lot of pastors on that trip may not have been able to take care of it themselves, but what happened, there was someone who had finances, but they said, I want to use these finances not just so I can enrich myself, but so I can advance the kingdom. What if we caught a greater vision for that, guys? what if we caught a greater vision and said Lord give me strategies give me insight give me opportunities to increase in finances but I'm not trying to do this just so I can be rich and I can get 10 cars and I can get this and get that I want to advance your kingdom I want to help people in need I want to see where there's lack to bring breakthrough for people I think God is looking for people who will have that kind of heart we've often said the phrase God wants us to be distribution centers he wants to get it to us so he can get it through us amen but see there's the point of us having that heart and having that faith if you get over on this poverty lack mindset you're like no I just don't want it I don't need it and God's like well actually I'm trying to get it to you I want to get it to you because you are my hands and feet I can get it to you then I can get it through you on the flip side we've got to say hey God we've got to learn to be faithful and show God you can get it through me because some of us, God can't get it through you. And that's why he's not getting it to you. Because he loves you too much. See, money is a magnifying glass. Whatever you are now, it's just going to make you a bigger one of those. I, mean, I, I know it's, it's tight, but it's right. So if you're generous now, you know, some people say, well, you know, pastor, I, I want to tithe. I want to give. Yeah, legacy offerings, those sound great. When God gives me a million dollars, I'm going to do all of that. But right now, have you seen the price of gas, Pastor? Right, if you say, I'm, I'm just trying to make it. I'm out here in these streets. Oh, right? listen, you've got to learn. You've got to be faithful now. And God says, oh, you're faithful. Okay, I'm going to entrust you with more. I'm going to entrust you with that. But you've shown me that you're about seeking my kingdom. Right, so if you can give sacrificially when it hurts, you will be ready to give sacrificially when you've got more than enough. But it's not going to get you. Your heart is going to be protected. Guys, there's a lot of people that have gotten taken out by wealth and money and things. And they said, you know, oh yes, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to represent Jesus. But then increase came into their life and they didn't have the character to walk it out. Don't despise the character that God's developing inside, but be a person. God, I want to be faithful. And you get it to me, you can get it through me. It's one of the things I love about Pastor Sharon. She was kind of referencing how generous she is. She is, I mean, I've learned to grow in generosity, but my wife is just on a whole nother level of generosity from I am and we're good together. She calls me Captain Budget. I've told you that many times. So I'm good at keeping the deal together, keeping the money together, and she's good at pushing the envelope. Let's sow. Let's go in faith. Let's be radical. You ever want to see something hilarious? I, I, sometimes I get to picture this, because Pastor General, every time we take people out for food, she wants to pay for the food. She's like, we're going to bless them. We're going to take them out for dinner. And so yeah, I'm like, okay, good. But you know, sometimes we'll get out, the people want to bless us. And like, we got dinner. Pastor is like, no, we've got dinner. And they're like oh no we've got dinner and sometimes i just step back it's like the battle lines form and i am and, and i'm not gonna lie sometimes they're trying I'm like babes let them pay like i'm like <laughs> i'm like let them bless us we blessed a lot of people we can take a blessing right now you know in turn let them pay you know that's why. Like, well if you guys know fateen who was here a couple weeks ago the last time we went for dinner with fateen she knows my wife So she excused herself near the end of dinner to go to the bathroom, and really she snuck over to pay the server, so Pastor Sharon couldn't even battle with her over what was going to happen. Right? So there's there's these opportunities, but here's the thing. We've got to grow in generosity. That's why I want to keep stretching in generosity. Will we be a church that says, God, you get it to us so you can get it through us? Will we be people that say, God, get it to us? Because I believe God wants to get significant wealth into the hands of his children who he can trust, not so that they can look rich, but so that they can advance the kingdom. There is so much need. Guys, how would it feel if we're in such a good place as a church every month, we call a different church and say, hey, you guys got a mortgage? Yeah, what's your mortgage payment? This much month? Okay, we're sending you a check for this month. Right, come on, what, how great would that be? How great would that be? We find someone who's a global worker in another part of the world. And like, man, if I could just get $100,000, do you know how many women and children I could help in this community? And instead of us going, well, that's great. We'll pray for you. We go, we're gonna pray for you. But how much? $100,000? Here's $100,000. Do what God's called you. That's the vision that I want us to have. Right, but it's not $100,000 so I can get a car. It's $100,000 so we can do what God's called us to do. Amen? No, I don't have a problem with getting a car. Amen. You need a good car. Get a decent car. Don't buy a cheap car. Get a good car when God opens up the door. I'm not against that stuff, but where's your heart? Amen? So in, in apostolic center, we're not afraid of finances. We also are not trying to get finances for ourselves. We're getting finances for a kingdom purpose. And then we're working together. I, I, let me give you an example of this. One of the churches we visited this week. I really got to watch my time. Okay, we'll get through it. We're at Holy Trinity Brompton. It's in downtown London. It's where the Alpha Course started, and they really got this vision for revitalizing the, the Church of England, the Anglican Church, and there's some incredible things. Tuesday, the next day, they took us up into another area of London, which would be a little more of a, a rougher area, but they'd gone, and they go into churches. They revitalized churches. They went into this church, and I think on the site, people had been worshiping for 1,000 years. The building had been there for a 1,000 years, but the building had definitely been there for a couple hundred years so they move into this building and, and and they they part of I love this church I, if you check them online saints.church and they they've got a vision to be a cathedral of creativity and so what they did was they said they said you know we're in this and we're in a rough area there's a lot of challenges like we want to build something beautiful that inspires people to the greatness of god so they went in, and they, and they completely revamped this facility. So much now that it's become the premier concert facility in the area. They went and got the best sound system they could. Some of the top music stars, yeah, they want to come play at this church. And the pastor's like, yeah, some of them aren't believers. And they come in, they expect us to judge them. You know, when they come in forever, he's like, we just love on them. And we just share Jesus. Like, we just, we, reg- but they invest in that. Then they said something else. Now, this might throw some of you a bit, but it works in the U.K., uh, they, they said, they started getting this vision. They said, you know, we should start a brewery. That's going to be strange. But in the UK, it's okay. Like, they, they, they're, they're fine. Everybody. So they said, they're just praying. They said, okay, Lord. Well, they had a guy call, a venture capitalist, called the pastor. He said, you know, this is kind of a weird question. He said, do you know anybody, like, this like two weeks after they started praying, do you know anybody wants to start a brewery in the UK? Because we got a bunch of investors that want to start a brewery in the UK, but we want the finances to go into kingdom things. And stuff like I mean that'll blow some of our minds, isn't it? So they have this whole they have this whole infrastructure, but they're saying we want to raise the community up. We want to we want to do this. It's their, the inside design of their church, it, the designer of it. God connected with him. He's the guy who designed the whole Apple kind of aesthetic feel, one of the most famous designers in the world. But they explained what they're trying to do and what they want to do. He's like, yeah, I'll come help you guys. I'll come in and do that. Right? There's this aspect, guys, of saying we're not afraid of money, but we're not selfish for money either. We want to use money to advance God's kingdom. Come on, somebody say, use money to advance the kingdom. Number three, uh, well, sorry, number eight, because it's on Bill off the meds. Apostolic centers serve other churches in the wider body of Christ. See, every church or every group of believers has a sphere that God has called them to. Some, some locations, their sphere is their local neighborhood. And God said, "This is your ground, this is your assignment. Love, serve, impact this neighborhood in this your community." That's very important. That's very powerful when God calls the church that. But with apostolic centers, what often happens is they are called to cities or to regions or to nations. And so when you understand this, you understand, okay, there is a call on us to impact our city. Like here at Toronto City Church, guys, I can tell you right from the beginning, when Pastor Paul and Elaine Ute came almost 35 years ago, they came with a heart for Toronto. They came with a vision for Toronto and a call to this city. And part of the vision was the nations are here in Toronto. If you impact Toronto, you impact nations of the world. But there's this heart and this grace from God, an apostolic center, that says, hey, we're called to this city. We're called to impact our nation. Everyone has a different sphere. But it's important that people understand that. Because remember we talked about building kingdom beyond just building a local church? Now, let's say, for example, let's say Toronto City Church, because I think we're still walking this out. I don't pretend to understand exactly what it looks like. But let's say part of our call is to the nation of Canada. I mean, that's really my heart. My heart is for our nation so much. Well, if we're called to the nation, that means there might be a Sunday, you walk in, I'm not here speaking, one of our team members is speaking, I'm in another part of the nation, but I'm there on behalf of Toronto City Church doing what God's calling us to do. Right? And when you're an apostolic center, you get that. And you're excited about that. You're not like, oh man, well, how come the pastor's not here again? He's not here again. Well, it's like, no, we got a call to the nation. Or for example, Holy Trinity Brompton, we were there. I really say they wouldn't use this language, but in my mind, they have a call to the nation. Right? They have, and part of their call is revitalizing churches. So one of the things that they do is their goal is not to get everybody to come to their downtown location and just stay here forever. They want to bring you in, they train you up, they equip you, and then they are sending people out all over England to revitalize churches. And I think they're up to 60 or 70 revitalization or church plants. But see, that's a very different mindset than let's get as many people in the building as we can. Let's have as big as numbers and as big as offerings. No, apostolic centers say, listen, our call is not just to have nice services or to have a nice building. Our call is to impact our city. Our call is to impact our nation. And our heart is to work with the Holy Spirit to see this come to pass. So we pray into that because we're a house of prayer. We also are distribution centers where God brings finances and there's a flow that happens but then we also understand God wants to work in us for our city and for our nation now remember sometimes people straight up some people might be sitting listening to me going yeah come on pastor there's like about a hundred of us here how big are we what difference but you are faithful with little you become ruler over much the kingdom is a seed right a mustard seed it starts small then it grows up big a lot of times we despise. We've got to have the spirit of faith when we're smaller, and then God expands it to bigger. What if Toronto City Church could get into the place where we're sending teams of people, even into different churches in different areas of Toronto or into different parts of the country, either to plant a church or to revitalize a church? Now, sometimes that's hard because it's like, well, I love these people. I told you guys, I want everybody to stay here forever. But that's not what it's about, right? It's about the kingdom, It's about advancing. It's about seeing people released into what God's called them to. And so that's number eight. Number nine. Everybody say number nine. Nine. And we'll go and just come back in a second. Apostolic centers embrace hardship and persecution to advance the kingdom of God. Now this isn't necessarily the most exciting point. Well, it's the least exciting point in my message. It's not the point that I'm particularly excited about. But as you grow as an apostolic center, you've got to learn how to handle pushback and spiritual warfare. You've got to learn how to handle, because think about it. If we really believe that we're advancing the kingdom of God, we really believe that our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of wickedness in high places and heavenly realms, Ephesians chapter six, then if we are starting to make an impact, if we are starting to advance the kingdom, why would there not be pushback? Why would there not be spiritual warfare? And so in an apostolic center, you understand it. You don't go looking for it. I'm not interested in stirring up trouble, but I am also saying as a church, part of what we need to be ready for is there will come seasons of spiritual attack, and in those seasons, we've gotta make sure that we stay faithful to Jesus, we stay rallied to one another, and it does not divide us, but it unites us together. Let me tell you what Jesus said about this. Matthew 6, 10 to 12. It'll be one of your favorite verses, I promise. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Now, I don't know about you, but that's just not a verse I'm really interested in seeing manifest in my life. How many people like being reviled? Someone's like I don't even know what revile means pastor. <laughs> it just means you're hated. It just means people are like, "Oh, like what's wrong? How many people like how many people like being persecuted? How many people like having people say false things about you? None of us do. But it's part of the package. And it's part of the package that is the church in Canada. We're not really used to and maybe we're not very good at handling. Many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world have much more experience and they're much better. So we need to learn from them and we need to draw from them. Some people always have a hard time, but guys, can I just really contextualize, straightforward? Cancel culture. How dare you say Jesus is the only way? How dare you say the Bible is true and you can build your life on it? How dare you present a biblical vision of sexuality? Right? There, there's these things and then there's things that are said falsely. And there's accusations that are made. And there's all kinds of ways. And why why am I saying, Pastor, why has this been such an encouraging message? Why do you have to bring this up now? Because we need to be ready so when certain things come, we go, oh yeah, Jesus said this was going to happen. And we're a house of prayer. So like in the book of Acts, where they were persecuted and they were beaten, they went back together and they cried out to God together. But it doesn't break us apart. But it rallies us more together. It brings us together, and we say, Hey, this is what Jesus said. Because you know what Jesus said, He said, Bless you with these hands. And you know what he said to do? He said, Therefore, go on social media and blast back at them. And Jesus said, Therefore, find out all the dirt on them and put it back out there. Fight fire with fire. No, what did Jesus say to do? Jesus said, Rejoice. What? Be glad. Now about you, but if someone's saying all kinds of false things about me and reviling me and persecuting me, that is not my natural response. Anybody who says it's your natural response, I'll have an alt call for liars at the end of the service, because that's just not any of our natural response. You punch me, I'm going to punch you back. I mean, at least in the flesh, right? That's, that's, That's the natural way, but Jesus said there's something bigger happening here. Why would he say rejoice? Why would he say be glad? He said, rejoice, God, for your reward is great in heaven. Remember, we talked about a number of weeks ago living with an eternal reality and living from eternity. And guys, if Jesus is real... If the gospel is real, if heaven is real, if hell is real, which it is, if we really believe what we say we believe, then we will not let it go even if there's persecution. We will not let it go even if there's pressure. Why? Because it's real and it matters. And what I love even more about this, he said, blessed are you for grace reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then verse 43 and 44 of Matthew 5. So this is Matthew 5. i said 6 again. Team, correct me. I still forgot. Matthew 5, 43 and 44. It says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's why we got to be a praying church, guys. You can't get into a spiritual battle. Oh, I guess we better learn how to pray. It's too late. But if we're already in prayer and we're already seeking God and and, and we're financially empowered, so we got the building paid off. You can't get to us on that side. We're there and we're praying and we're seeking God and we're going after the presence of God and we're pushing in. Then attacks come, enemy hits. We just go, you know what? Let's go to prayer. We got this. We're in this together. But we become that praying church. And so Jesus said, rejoice. Keep an eternal perspective. Remember your word in heaven. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Again, it's not the fun things to talk about, but this is because some of the conversations we're going to need to have as a church. I'm not looking for persecution. I'm not trying to stir it up. But there is coming even more of a, a line of reckoning that will come, and it's we've got to be faithful to Jesus. And we've got to be faithful to the Word of God. And we've got to be faithful to the truth of God's Word. And, and God's equipping us to do that. And He's building us to do that. But apostolic centers understand we're going to walk through this. We're going to weather this together. Everybody say together. And so this leads me to the last thought. I'll just say it and we'll pray. We're not going to preach into it too much. I didn't plan too much. But last but not least, apostolic centers. I think this ties this all together. Move in signs and wonders and the power of God and they demonstrate the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 12 says, The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. Now, I'm not talking so much about an apostle individually, but when we talk about apostolic, there needs to be signs, wonders, and mighty works. Why does Jesus do this? Why is God's power demonstrated? Because it's a place we're advancing the kingdom. Because we're representing him. Because we're moving forward. Even in times, guys, you get ready. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard. And you watch. Even if we go through seasons where there's spiritual warfare, or there's persecution that comes, you watch the power of God go to another level. But God is looking for people who will commit together and say, "Hey, we want to. We want to live this out and want to live together." Hey, he's looking for people who say, "God, we want to see your power." That's why it says in 1 Corinthians four, verse twenty: "For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power." Everybody say, "In power." And so God is calling us. Even just to recap today, God, guys, God is calling us as a house of prayer. God is calling us to go deeper in kingdom finances. God is calling us to be a church that's ready to serve the other churches and serve the body of Christ. Like, I'm not saying stuff like I said here just to be, oh, that's kind of a shit I want to pay other churches mortgages. I want to find ministries that are in trouble. Yeah, let me give you another example. There's a guy in the States who's a follower of Jesus. He's a billionaire. And one of the things he took on as a project, he started going find Christian universities and Christian colleges. And he'd go to them and say, okay, how much debt are you in? Okay, $60 million in debt, or $30 million. He's like, okay, here's what I wanna do. I wanna help you establish, I wanna just review your principles, review your governing structures. We wanna make sure it's set up. You get that in place, I'm gonna pay off all your debt. I'm gonna take care of it. And he's gone to school after school, and said, I'm gonna take care of all your debt so you can get out of the weight load of this debt, and you can just raise up ministers of the gospel, right? Like that's, now obviously that's a big example but why not dream of those kind of things? But also, why not be faithful right where we start and say, okay, I might not be at paying off mortgages or paying mortgage notes for churches for a month right now, but what can we do right now, even in little ways, to lean into that? Amen? And what can we do to demonstrate God's power? So, in closing today, I just, I want a simple close. I want to pray for you guys. So if you just want to stand to your feet and I'm going to pray these things over us as a church and I'll pray them over you. And so I want to invite you just to hold out your hands like you're receiving something for God and your heart is with me and saying, yeah, I want us, I want want us to grow in this. I want us to dream bigger. I want us to, 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 to be part, you know, to be united. Even if battles come that we are united together as a church. And so, Father, I thank you today for this word. I thank you for every person that's here, and even as we bring things to a close. God, I pray, number one, that you will take us deeper in prayer. I thank you that you've called us to be a house of prayer for all nations. And, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that there will be a fire inside of each one of our hearts for prayer, not something we come up with, but something the Holy Spirit does in us, but that we will be a house of prayer for all nations. God, I thank you taking us deeper in kingdom finances. I pray for just mindsets of poverty being broken, in. Father, I thank you for fresh Holy Spirit ideas, God, on how to do But we would engage not in trying to get rich, but in raising money for the kingdom of God and your purposes. God, I thank you for our call to bless and serve other churches. Help us to find ways to do it where we are right now, but also help us to embrace the future, God, where I believe there'll be pastors and churches and leaders and we'll be hosting things, God, because this is part of what you've asked us. Help us to have that heart. God, thank you for building and enduring faith in every person this place. So even if we face persecution, even if we face difficulty, as Jesus, you said we would that we will not back down one inch from our love for you, our commitment to you, and we will bless those who curse us. We will pray for those who persecute us. We will love our enemies, and we will see Saul's become Paul's in Jesus' name. And so we thank you for this, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, last but not least, we thank you for the demonstration of the Spirit Spirit and power. God, even as we come into this summer, as we move forward in this year, God, we want to see even more of your power. We admit we have much to learn. We have much to grow in. We have much to go deeper, but it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by your spirit. And so we thank you for this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everyone agree to me. Said, You guys got your eye. Okay. Just a head bowed and eyes closed. Is there anybody here as we close who does not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Maybe somebody watching online. You don't know Jesus your Lord and Savior, maybe you used to, but you fell away from him. As I close today, I want to give you an opportunity to get your life right with him. And so I'm not going to draw this out. I'm not going to do all these techniques. I'm just going to ask really simply right now, if you say, I need to give my life to Jesus, I need to give my life back to Jesus, you just raise your hand right now where you are. If there's anybody in this place, and you know, as I'm saying this, I need this. Amen. All right, well, Father, we just thank you, even as we close, for the harvest. And we pray, God, that we are ultimately going to see thousands and thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we're going to see them equipped and built up and released, God, in doing all kinds of amazing things for kingdom. I bless this church family. I thank you for your work in us. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for an amazing week. And thank you for continuing to expand our ability to dream of what you want to do. And everyone agreed with me today said, Amen. amen. So just as we go here, I was kind of inspired this week a little bit, I think being around historical Christianity a little bit more, but can we just say the Lord's prayer together as we go today? Let's just pray this together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And everyone agreed today? Said? Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Yeah, let's give God a hand today. Thank you for being here. Obviously, parents, go grab your kids. Let's have an amazing week. And remember, all church prayer this Friday. Let's be part of that 100 plus pushing into God. Legacy offerings next week. Let's be praying about that. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week.